Welcome to a podcast. A good podcast about board games and my wife. A very good podcast in which I persuade her. Also, let's not start by saying very good. We don't understand it yet. Is it, yeah, but it's ironic. Why is it ironic? What's the irony? I think maybe this is a good intro. <laughs> Welcome to Board Games with My Wife, with me, Jack, and my wife, Lottie. Hello there. This is a Bird with Games podcast, Bird with Games being our little publisher with Kickstarter projects coming this very year. This very year. Exciting it's coming, time. isn't it? We're excited. It is, it's coming, yeah. To keep up with Birdwood and the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Birdwood Games. Birdwood as in bird the birds and wood as in trees, so mm-hmm. that's how you can find us. You should also sign up to our newsletter if you haven't done already, because... You spent I, an inordinate amount of time on it. <laughs> I have spent an inordinate amount of time on it, and I'm going to be sending monthly letters from next oh. week. Also, the way you said you're going to be sending monthly letters, I'm picturing you like a big oak desk, like writing these letters. That's what with I'll a be quill, doing. And then sending them to people yeah. put by the post. Yeah, so if you sign up for that, you're going to get a quill letter from me every month. And so the newsletter will be what's going on at Birdwood HQ, uh, behind the scenes, sneak peeks, exclusives. We hope to have a couple of competitions in there later this year. So please do sign up, come and chat to me. Giveaways. Yeah, that's the same as competitions. Well, not necessarily, because um, competitions has that you've got to win something. Giveaways, you get it for free. We're not doing you do a car, you do a car. Uh-huh. Oprah style. Everyone gets a car. Yeah. And photos of the dog as well. Yes. I'm also going to include photos of Rupert. So if that sounds like your kind of jam, do come over. It's basically another place for me to chat to you. So... <laughs> Sorry about that. You can't get rid of me. That's that my yeah. That's my plug done. I that... rambled off on that plug just down yeah, plug early. You, you did a very good plug. Well done. Top marks. Cheers, lad. Ten out of ten. What's the crack today? What's the crack today? Today we're going to talk about Euro games. Oh, that sounds non-descriptive. Sound, scary. Well, it does sound non-descriptive, and it does sound scary, and this, that's the reason why we're talking about the subject because I think it's a one of the most not one of the most, but probably probably up there in terms of how much it's used to describe games. Or so people say Euro, and this, this is, is a Euro a style game. Term. This is an absolute jargony term. But what's brilliant about it when you do some digging into what it means, nobody knows what it means. <laughs> yeah, no one can agree entirely. <laughs> no one can agree what it means. means, and there's some there's some loose definitions, and there's some. Key things of why it's called euro which we'll talk about later but yeah it's one of those jargony terms that people go oh yeah euro games and some people that probably what does it mean exactly and some of our listeners um you know for for our listeners who are newer to gaming they might be hearing that and think i've heard that and people say euro and they throw some really complicated game down that's like ridiculous and you know that might not be the case as, no, it yeah. might not. So today we're going to talk about 10 of our favourite Euro games. So if that sounds intimidating, don't be. You're among friends. Don't switch off. Bear with. These are accessible and interesting and games. If we can learn them. Anyone can learn yeah. them. That's yeah. the rule. That's the rule. So yes, yeah, so, so, We have low self-esteem. <laughs> we set the bar low for ourselves. And then yeah. when we achieve slightly above that, we're like, oh, we did well. It's nice, isn't it? We'd be like, if we were in the Olympics doing the, doing, doing the high jump, you know how you get to choose your height, I'd be like, can I have it at 30 centimetres, please? Do you want to hear a funny story about the high jump? You didn't think you were going to get this today? No, I didn't think I was going to get this today. Similarly. I don't think I've heard of any story about you in the high jump before. Well, I'm really tall. I'm six foot as a human woman. And I've always been (laughs) quite tall. I always thought you were a giraffe. (laughs) Some people do. And I've always been quite tall. Uh, Growing up, I was tall. And my school um, did tryouts for the high jump. And for those that don't know, when you do the high jump, you are supposed to scissor kick your legs and kind of lay your back as you're jumping so you kind of jump well, that's a... jump. Or, or do the fuzzby flop is it called the fuzzby flop is it called the fuzzby flop I have no idea what that is but that's, um... one, that's one of the professional the Olympians do you know when they jump over and they go backwards oh cool anyway you're supposed to be mostly horizontal with your body this really freaked me out I couldn't get I, I hated it yeah. I, hated I was it like well. there's no way that I'm just going to just horizontally jump through the air like no that's not happening I mean I wasn't particularly sportily inclined like you were but I also hated it I just ran into the bar and was like I failed oh well well that's what I did, but I was tall enough that when the bar was on the lower settings, I could just gallop over it, like the small. Just like, just like, just like a, like, a, like some sort of like salmon, just flop over it. Oh no, it wasn't a salmon. I was a stallion. <laughs> there was no salmon flopping here. So the the shorter people in my class would have to do their scary sideways to jumping, kick, yeah, yeah. kicking, and I would just gallop over like a horse until it got too high, and then I just smashed into. I it. remember when I, to show my level of ineptitude at being at being an athlete. I the hur- I used to hate the hurdles for the very same reason because yeah. I used to be like. Also, we're like reverse humans, so you've got very very long legs, but like a really sh- we're exactly the same height, and you've got very long legs but a really short torso. Yeah. I've got really short legs but a very long torso. <laughs> so we're like it's so funny when we got we got uh, I can't remember, we got measurements for something, and it's like your legs are like five inches like bigger than mine and I was like well, that's incredible but how are we the same height and we measure your torso it's like 
Yes. My torso is like a little dumpling mushroom <laughs> yeah. of a body part. Yeah. Whereas well, I'm the I'm opposite. I'm opposite boy. I'm You're just like I'm like all, 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 all upper body. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I obviously like doing things like hurdles when I was younger. That was always like really. I I used to find it really scary. Like my little stumpy legs were going. I was like oh. So I remember in primary school, I did them in like year whatever that that would be for 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 our, for our listeners. That would be like I was probably like oh, sort of seven to eleven kind of range. Oh, you're yeah, so I was li- I was little. Imagine my little legs even then; yeah. they'd be even smaller. And I remember I got I was the hurdles and I ran and I jumped and I kind of like pulled out midway through. So I ended up standing on. The, I was actually balanced <laughs> on the hurdle. No, not on the top. On the top. So I was on the top for about, for about five for half a second. That's so, not balancing. So, no, no, so I was on there and it, 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 I, I rocked back. I remember rocking back and fall on it so I was there it must be a couple of seconds up there and then it went eventually obviously it went over and then it went over and I basically caught my ankle under it and I remember I had to go, I had to, go to hospital about it because it was like, I, like I, look sir we've got an overreactor yeah, oh, yeah that probably was him? the case that pretty much was the case I think I sprained my ankle basically and I had to get like, up, oh, get, like get like iced and those sorts of things but I went to hospital over it because I was like that hurt so <laughs> never make me do the hurdles again yeah so I, I was really bad at that kind of stuff and then you stayed indoors forever right? you know, I stayed indoors forever but I was really yeah. bad at, I was really bad at sports yeah which but is a shame. Yeah, but you didn't come here for sports. No. Do you, listeners, you came here for board games, and we have those in spades. Should we talk about what's called our eye? Yes, let's talk about what's called our eye. Let's do it. Would you like to say anything? <laughs> I thought with the gusto that you were going in there, you built up a good rhythm. I thought you were going to go straight into it. I, I didn't realise you were passing it. me. I didn't realise you were going to give me a cut, give me a, give me a hot tag, and I was going to come in and be like, "Here's what's going on." There's mostly a lot of conversation that happens in a podcast, which is back and forth. We've discussed this before. I'll say something, you say something. We'll take turns. Yeah, we could take turns, or you could go. Okay. How many things have you got? Two. I've got one in a bit, so, I'll, so you okay, should go. Well, this the first thing that's caught my eye isn't a massive... Well, it is a massive thing to me. Uh, the thing that's caught my eye is, have you seen, everyone, that Great Western Trail is getting a second edition? And a third? Oh, you mean second actual second edition, not like sequels? Yes. You could just not interrupt me. Apologies, I get excited by this too. <laughs> There's a, a little sub-paragraph in the conversation which is no interrupting. Oh. Stay in your lane. So, uh, Great Western Trail, which is one of my favourite games, uh, is getting a second edition. That means, by the looks of it, that we're getting a lovely new box cover. There might be stuff happening within the box, so update. it looks like updated art on the second edition, which is really exciting, because, no offence, Great, Great Western Trail, I love you, you know I love you, listen to my Top 20 Games episode, but the box art is... <laughs> leave something to be decided. It does, it does, it does, yes. Um, and the new box art is really exciting. It's really evocative, really yeah. uh, high contrast, and looks really cool. But that's not the end of what's caught my eye no. regarding Great Western Trail. They're also releasing in 2022 and 23, respectively, an Argentina and New Zealand edition. And hold on to your hats, in New Zealand, it looks like you might be herding sheep. That is exciting. Which is your life goal complete. It is. I'm, can, I'm, can you even wait to 2023? No, I can't. I'd really like that one now. I don't think I'd have every copy of Great Western Trail. I think Trail. we will have every copy of Great Western Trail. Is that necessary? I think it depends what the difference is. Because what they might end up doing is like... Because if you look at the Argentina one, and my limited knowledge of Argentinian um, agri- agriculture, is that Argentina is very famous for beef and steaks. It's very famous for that. Yeah. So therefore, it might be more cattle farming. It look and it looks like a big old bull on the cover. It'll be yeah, old horn bull. Yeah, but you have horned cattle in Great Western Trail, the American you No, know, you do, you do, you definitely do. But so therefore, I'm wondering if, if the second edition of Great Western Trail is like a bit of a, a bit of a tart up of Great Western Trail, <gasps> and then the set and then this the set the Argentinian one is like Great Western Trail 1.5. So it's like yeah. it's like different slightly different things going on but it's just, and, then, and I wonder if then Great Western Trail 2 effectively will be the will be the one with the sheep because they might play in a different way because yeah. obviously sheep are I would imagine you probably get lots more of them and they're cheaper so that might be, be how yeah. it plays into it rather than having few of them and, and those yes. kinds of things so the board game media um, infers that uh, the New Zealand edition, which is the one in 2023, is going to be different in terms of what you're herding. That's why I, I think it will feel like a very yeah. different game. Or, well, not, no, it will feel like a seventh, but a I think it will feel different. But, yeah. yeah, whereas I think the, the Argentinian one might yeah. just be like, a, here's some, some enhancements on the game, or, yeah. or not dealing with, you know, the the, 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 the the theming that the first one dealt with, you know, in terms yeah. of what that was to the American West. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, very so excited. more things to herd. More things to I'm herd. Buzzing. We like to herd things. I've got to wait some time. You've got to wait like two years for the one you really want. Yeah. I'm, ex- I'm really excited to see the new yes. edition of Great Western Trail. It's 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 so popular. It's almost ridiculous. It has the cover it has now. But tell me what's caught your eye. What's caught my eye is a game I'm surprised hasn't caught your eye. Mm. It's a game called Brew by Pandasaurus Games. Oh yeah, tell me about Brew. So Brew is a game in which, from what I understand of it, is it's like a you're basically helping um, you're you're recruiting woodland creatures 
to effectively like make these potions, which is why I think it's called brew. I think that's but that, that's a key part of it. And you're like trying to like. Um, Am I putting the creatures in the potion? You're trying to bring back the balance. No, no, no. You're, they're helping you. There's like assistance and stuff. Oh, they're, okay. they're doing various things. You're trying to use magic to bring back the balance to like nature. So you're trying to like save nature and bring back the balance um, of, of the natural world. And you've got this lovely art on it, which it's is beautiful. Art. It yeah. looks like uh, Pokemon style art. It does. It does. It's kind of got this cartoony, almost anime style. Not yeah. quite anime, but kind of a cartoon. You could see this being a cartoon on Netflix. Like you could see this being like yeah. a, a show on Netflix. Um, I would watch a deer try and make a potion. Yes, yeah, you would. So not much has been announced on it yet. Very limited at the moment, but it looks lovely. The components look lovely. The game looks lovely, laid out. Um, it's got kind of worker placementy elements. It's got um, dice rolling elements. It's got kind of th- th- those kinds of elements to it. There's lots more coming out on this one. It is coming out later this year, I believe. I think it was June, June. or so. Yeah. yeah. So they'll, they'll be announcing more on it then. But obviously, look, it looks really good. Mm, cool. Great cover. I'm surprised it's not caught your eye. Well, my eye was busy being caught this week by the Root Marauder expansion Kickstarter, which has exploded onto the scene. As of today, the 25th of February when we're recording, it's already made uh, over $1 million. So it's now $1 million. What do you think it'll make? Who knows? It's 19 days to go. I think it'll make... I think the thing is, it's one of those things where... Obviously, you get you get a lot of the start and a lot of the end, and middle's a bit a bit of a flat flat zone. But I think it's one of those things because they're selling the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah. How many people have bought the whole kit and caboodle? Do you want to know right now? Yeah. How many people have bought the whole kit and caboodle? So, just Marauders is uh, so there's Marauders with more hirelings, which is three and a half thousand backers. I think it's airlings. All the new stuff. Pardon. I think it's airlings, isn't it? It says hirelings. Is that not air? There's like a hair. You're on the air to the throne. No. R and the E would be the other way around. Oh, well, there you go. I suppose what I know. It does. Uh, and then, actually, no, they're not selling all of the stuff. It's either, it's all the new stuff, which is then, that's got 7,677 backers. They're not selling Root, the... Not selling OG Root? No. Interesting. Just saying, wow, it's just the new stuff, and that's even more impressive. I thought they'd be sending the whole, the whole yeah. kit and caboodle. Unless it might, something's wrong with my page, and I don't think it is. It's just, just that. That's that's incredible. That's that is amazing. Then yeah. that's soft expansions. So the Marauder expansion is going to expand routes with rats, rats, badges, and a host of hirelings. So I think hirelings are like hired. Hired guns. Hired guns, basically, yeah. And so I thought um, it was like a theme, like crown sort of thing they were going for, but no, that was just me misreading things. That's all right. We're here together. I'm here to correct you. Um, and so the Kickstarter looks great in true Lady Game style. It's incredibly stylistic. Um, the art on this is so recognisable and distinctive. I am not. I, we haven't backed this yet. We may get we'll to be back point of backing it. It's hard to say. We, we love really like yeah. But it's also like you I like do, badges as well. I do and like, you like badges. rats. I like rats. I may even like hirelings. It's, it's also got like a deer hireling as well, or some sort of deer meeple, which, yes. you know, that looks good. It does look good. But I also do get a little bit of expansion fatigue, but I can't, you can't have missed this if you're in the gaming sphere. The actual week. thing I'm most excited about in this yeah. expansion is potentially, which is annoying because it's part of the second, it's part of this, the, the final pledge, is the clockwork expansion. Mm. Because it adds more clockwork. So we got with the Root Underworld one, we got the Cat's Clockwork. And that's really great because it allows us to play Root as a three-player game, basically, yeah. which is really good because that makes the game better. Uh, this adds, it looks like, other expansions, clockworkized. So lizards, clockwise, lizards, the, the um, automated, automated, yes, <laughs> lizards, the moles, the um, whatever they are, the the otters and or the or the, or the yeah the otters and then the ravens um, done in clockwork. So that, mm. that's that would be really cool. So you could play with yeah. different combinations of, of of things. Yeah, but that's in all the new stuff. One hundred and ten US dollars. Do we need one hundred and ten US dollars? I think we do. Worth of stuff. But then look at the little the hirelings with the little moles with the hats on. I love that you thought they were airlings. I know. I thought they were small air- people it, entitled it, to thrones. Yes. Well, that's what's caught my eye this week. It's made a real disruption. Ladies Games always do a great presence on Kickstarter, and even though it's all the money, you do feel like you're getting bang for your buck. Are we going to back this? I think we're going to back this, aren't we? Good luck to us. Like what's the other thing that caught your eye uh, what's, the other thing that's why it's a small thing is that also at the same time on Kickstarter Terraforming Mars Ares expansion is out and it will still be as of listening to this podcast you've still got a few days to catch that if you want to mm. that is a Terraforming Mars card game um, it looks really good it looks like Terraforming Mars in a card game to be honest so yeah. go check it out um, we've, we spoke about it before but it's come out it's, it's well, well funded it's made over half a million um, pounds so what's that like three quarters of a million dollars there or thereabouts at this stage so it's, it, it's, it's, it's really successfully funded mm. and uh, yeah it, it looks really great. It's really exciting. Um, I can't, I'm really looking forward to play. Hopefully, it gives you the terraforming Mars experience in a, in a hour long 
half an hour, hour long playtime. Amazing. Without lots of erroneous setup as well. We're excited to have backed that one, aren't we? We're excited to back that one. We def- we've already backed that one. Yeah, that one's, that one's in the back. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, before we move on to our main topic, can I just ask you listeners, make an appeal directly into your ear holes. That was a That sounded really phrase, weird, yeah. Um, ignore that whilst I make my appeal. To please, if you haven't already, subscribe to Board Games With My Wife. We so appreciate everyone who's supporting the podcast. Uh, we really can't thank you enough. We would also love it if you reviewed us with a five-star review because that helps other people find the podcast and we would so appreciate it. Thank you so much for all of your support so far. On with the show. On with the show. Right. So, Euro Games. Bang. Bish. Bash. Before bosh. Before we crack into it, can you give us what the ball games with my wife working definition... I've uncracked it. I've uncracked the can. Can you stop making sound effects and oh, give us... I mean, I should get like a soundboard. Maybe you shouldn't. And give us a working definition of Euro Games. What even is that? That's rain on the outside window. It doesn't work because I've got to speak at the same time. <laughs> that sounds like actually a rustling breeze. It was like, um, did you have those uh, keyboards when we were doing like music at school? And I like, used to. DJ, that's all DJ, I used. I don't even know how. I, I, I don't think I did. Did I do a music GCSE? I can't do a music GCSE. No, there's no way you have. <laughs> but literally, all I used to do was, was put it on DJ. And then what would happen is because because DJ. I was like the worst worst kid at school. And I wasn't the worst kid at school ever, but I was I was never just, I just never really paid attention. And basically, what happened is the the actual music teacher who could obviously play and understand music would come over and you'd have the headphones plugged in because obviously you can imagine thirty kids in a room playing like keyboards. It'd be awful. Um, but you then because like, it always would DJ. He'd come over and you'd be learning some I don't know some some Beethoven weird weird. You were weird learning coming. Beethoven. No, I wasn't probably like chopsticks. I don't know whatever it was. I was learning, and then he would obviously be like, "No, it's just so we play it," and he'd be like, "No, you need to." It sounds like this, and obviously when he was playing it, he couldn't hear what was being played. But it was just like DJ, mmm, <laughs> and it's just like that. That was that was the highlight of my my musical experience. Oh, that's sad that that was the highlight. Yeah. There's so many other things to see in the music world. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but actually speaking of that, we did do a music we did do a music lesson of basically doing those sound effects, so like doing a thing and like doing the sound effects and like trying to layer the sound effects over because you could put them on the keyboard and trying to layer them over something to be like doing like audio production, audio play sort of style mm. thing. So I've got experience. Limited experience, I don't remember much of it, but I can go Oh that's creepy. If I get some coconuts and go <laughs> Oh no! Oh the horses are right. We're ready to market. Um can you give us a working definition for Eurogame? <laughs> so I'm just getting off oh, the horse. Oh, hello, Cedric. <laughs> oh, the dog's alarmed. He's like, where's the horse? All right, so working definition of Euro. Okay, so, work, so Euro game is, is a, is, it's a it's a board gamey phrase, isn't it, Eurogame? It's like you hear it so much or people talk about it or people classify their games as that or, you know, Euro people call yes, them. Yes, but annoyingly... You then can't really search for Euro but games. It's, it's not a it, tricky. Yeah, it's not like something like, uh, for example, deck builder, where it's like, okay, that means a very specific thing. You're putting cards together in a deck, and then you'll get that. That will be included in that game in some shape or form. Building a deck of cards and playing with that deck of cards. Um, it's not as simple as that. It's it, it's so much more complicated. So there's loads of different definitions. I'm looking at one from BGG right now. And there are some key things here. So, firstly, the actual name Euro, unsurprisingly enough, to those to those who've kind of been in the hobby, it comes from it comes from. It's also known as German style board games. Games that kind of came out of Germany. Uh, I think it was in the eighties and nineties, particularly. Uh, they kind of came out of Germany, and it was German style board games with German German designers, and and that's why the where the Euro expression came from. Um, so I imagine it's probably like an Americanism because they just assumed that was all of Europe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm yeah. not sure who should be offended from that statement. Everyone, everyone. Everyone should be offended, which is the, which is the, which is the best when everyone's offended. Because you don't want to offend one group of people, because that's not fair. But if you offend everybody, then, then we're all good. I'm not going to adopt that policy. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so so that was that was the uh, the um, the kind of... The, the, that, that's where that's you're orange. And, and the key things... Are, so here are the key things it lists, and then we'll talk about what we think a euro is. Because obviously sometimes we call stuff a euro, and then we're like, that's not even a euro. But the key things that, we, that it lists is that the, 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 pl- the player conflict in the game, this is one of the key things, player conflict in the game, it's indirect mm-hmm. and it's more about competition for resources yeah. it's not about so battling, battling yeah. fighting armies clashing with each other those kinds of things it's about competition for resources the other thing in it is that players are never eliminated and at the start of the game and the end of the game will be the same amount of players you can't go you can't be out you can't be eliminated you can't lose you, you you'll just you'll get a score everyone will get a score at the end you might not do very well but everyone will get a score at the end that's kind of one of the other key things and then one of the final things i think and there were some others but i think one of the final key things is the randomness element the, the randomness element is either extremely limited or it's like very mit- mitigatable. So yeah. you can you can 
yes, there's an element of randomness to it because you're drawing certain stuff, but there's lots of stuff and you can do to mitigate that to lower yeah. it as low as possible. Uh, that's kind of the some of the stuff that that I would say is Eurogame. They've got a few other things on here, um, you know, like but but I think I think I think those are the kind of key things that I would say. For yeah. for us though, what do you feel it is for us? I feel in addition to these things, Euro games tend to have an industry theme, so or an industrious theme. So you might be uh, farming something or making something, something where the resources that you're collecting are going to be producing something at the end, just because of the nature of the Euro game really complements that kind of theme. I, I think the nature of economics massively complements that thing because yeah. economics is, is simply put is the unlimited unlimited wants limited resources mm-hmm. and that basically is every of these games it, it, everybody wants something but there's limited options to get that and usually often in euro style games you'll see worker placement is very prominent or, or action selection or, or yeah. location placement variations of that where you're saying I'm going to the mine and I'm going to get a coal and that means no one, no, no one else's turn can go to the mine and get that coal and that's kind of the thing of it because it's like there is unlimited coal couldn't you go to the wind turbine and get the wind you could go to the wind time and get the wind you could go to the wind time and get the wind and then bottle it in a jar and unleash it that's how you power your machines you have to stand there with your jar and go, yeah. we're not in charge of wind turbines how could you tell <laughs> so yeah so so our working definition is low randomness and it's working it changes all the time yeah working definition yeah. low randomness uh, likely to have an industry or industrious yeah. theme uh, some level of worker placement or action selection and I think as well, we often also, ex- we also, for us, usually expect them to be slightly longer games, like slightly yeah. weightier games, like not just like a breezy quick game. Mm. It's, it, they're going to, if we, if we're getting a year or looking at a year, if we hit, if I hit that time in my head, certainly, I'm feeling like that's a game that's probably 60, 90 minutes plus yeah. for us. But don't let that put you off because if you're listening and you're fairly new to games, you might have played a game called Catan. Yes, you might play the game called Catan. Catan is a very, very popular game that came out in the 90s. So that's weird, isn't it? That's weird. Yes. So Catan, or Settlers of Catan, as it used to be called, I believe. Now it's just Catan. And there's umpteen variations of Catan, like various different types of Catan, is one of the, one of the classics, one of the OGs, one of the, one of the kind of the, the stalwarts of the category. And it is a game in which you're pretty much doing a lot of the stuff that, that we've just discussed. It's a, you are, you're building, you're trading, and you're kind of settling across the area, you're collecting resources. There's actually quite a bit of, I say quite a bit, there is an element of randomness in Catan and there's a dice roll which generates resources which then you know but but you are placing your roads and paths and buildings in the in, around the hexes on the board to yeah. get those resources so it's kind of like not but it's got quite a cool trading element because sometimes one of the criticisms of these games can be player interaction is quite minimal other than yeah. blocking each other um, whereas in whereas in Catan you've got a trading element so you can say I've got you know I've got two wood can I have a sheep from you and then you can make that trade for example from, from other players and that's quite that's quite cool for this for this type of game. And it is you know it's not it's it's not it's not very complicated. Again, it's quite simple and easy to understand. And it can run long depending on the amount of people that play it. But also, it can be quite quite brisk and quite and quite quick. Um, it's it's kind of its simplicity is its design. I think this is a thing that's going to come through with with this um, with this category. Is that theme? Some games do really good jobs with themes but some of these games the theme it's like it doesn't really necessarily matter what the theme is which is yeah. why this has been rethemed so many times because you can retheme it so many times mm. you could make this about I don't know whatever anything you could put this in fancy you could put this in space yeah. you could put this well, in the, sausage the factories you could put anything is trade build settle yeah. which you could transpose to any yeah. any uh, yes. setting and the theme is whilst it's there and relevant it's not the key driver for it and it's yeah. not like if you took the theme off it suddenly it breaks as a game and it's a bit like why am I doing these things mm. it's a bit weird um, so yeah so I think that's kind of something that will come through on this but yeah like it's, a, it's an absolute classic you'll have heard of this game if you haven't checked it out I really would recommend checking it out because it's one of those things where you, you play it and you think oh this is actually not as complicated or scary as I thought it was going yeah. to be. This makes sense. I understand now what I did do, what I did do, what I didn't do. With these kinds of games, again, you should get to the end and be able to see probably why you lost. That's kind of a good sign of these games. Is it, they, they, they make sense. It's not just like, well, I, was, I lost a dice, I got a bad dice roll, so I lost or whatever yes, it is. Yes, your gameplay is really easy to trace via Euro games. So yes. you can see where you're like, oh, if I produced a little bit more wood at this yeah. point, then I would have been able to, this is a knock-on yes. effect that you can trace back. But there are other games that aren't, games that aren't Euros you can't see that so clearly it kind of gets eaten up by the gameplay yeah cool Catan is published by loads of different people yes it um, is I don't even know who originally published Catan if I'm being honest I think it Cosmos was Cosmos um, is listed first on BGG but who knows um, I, I think it is originally I want, I, want, I, want I want to say Mayfair I don't know why I want to say Mayfair but I, I'm probably horribly wrong with that uh, it was by Fra- Frank Cosmos Verlag 
classic. Yeah, so there you go. That's, that was in Germany. I don't, I don't know who, who else has published it, but I'm sure loads of people have probably published this game over the years. I think it's been bought then time and time again by different people yeah. that buy buy the rights to certain things. So as of, as of 2015, it sold more than 22 million copies. So there you go. That's so many copies. That is so many copies, yeah. So That is a modern classic. That is a modern classic, yeah. And a great place to start for your And games. a great place to start for your games and also a great place to start for like entry into more complicated games. Yeah. So from a modern classic to just a modern game, the next one I'm going to talk about is Pretty Porter by Portal Games. Now, Pretty Porter is an economic strategy game set in the world of fashion. Um, fashion. Oh, hello. You zoomed <laughs> under the cameo. Um, so, so uh, players are running clothes companies. I'm just, I'm scared that you're going to do something. <laughs> if only this was a video as well, people would just get so much more out of it. I'm striking a pose. I'm voguing, as they would say. Mm-hmm. So, players are running clothes companies and you're fighting for dominance during fashion shows. So, you're trying to get a combination of prestige and victory points and as much money as you can as a fashion house um, to become the most prestigious um, clothes maker. And so the game is split over rounds where um, at the end of the round there are fashion shows that you take your collections to. And so this is a really interesting example of a Euro game because it kind of it moves away from the more kind of the drier industries that I tend to associate Euros with. Mm. Like this is a more creative industry that's been laid onto a Euro Which is funny because you could replace this theme with quite a few... I think you could replace this theme quite easily with something else and I think it would be a similar style game. But yeah. I think it's the, the, the clothing does give it a feeling of like... I think there's yeah. a freshness about yes. it. There's a freshness in that also you're creating art. Like whilst you're doing it within the parameters of a Euro game, you still are creating fashion pieces, which is quite exciting. And that for me, as a theme-driven player, I find that really engaging to be like, oh, mm. what shall I make this round in my cool art house collection? Um, so Pretty Porter has a really interesting action selection uh, mechanism where as players you uh, take turns in choosing what parts of the board you'll go on first so for example one player may select going to the expert area one player may select a certain type of fabrics and then in turn order you choose uh, what you want so if one player has gone to the expert area and another player go, places their second the first place player will get the first choice so that's quite an interesting little balance uh, mechanism that's going on there and also a little bit of kind of not push your luck but a little bit of risk there which is quite cool to have that mixed in as well yeah and because they resolve in those orders like you could you could potentially change what you're doing based on which is always is always quite fun and interesting when like different things come out you might think oh i was originally gonna buy this one thing but now i've got this i might buy this other thing or do this other thing which gives it a little bit of like dynamism even in the resolution phase which sometimes games can be lacking in that when you're resolving your actions and it gives you that dynamism yeah Um, but yeah then we we really like this one it's really it's really clean yeah it's clean and it plays at two to four players for 90 minutes so we're kind of like bang in the middle of like a mid-weight euro so um with euros you tend to see maybe ranging from 60 to 120 minutes but this one does they pretty much all say 60 to 120 yeah, minutes because yeah. this one's structured by rounds you can you can pretty much guarantee you're going to be playing around the 90 minute mark yeah we've played this with two players as well and it's a very fine two-player game as well yeah and this is one of those curved games where like you get you you'll become you'll do you'll pull off bigger and better things towards the end of it like you'll get you'll you'll, you'll go up on that curve of being like the first fashion show isn't as good, but then the last one will be mega and you'll be doing yeah. hopefully loads of really cool well, things. Well, you're growing your business over the yes. course of the yeah. rounds, which is it's, yeah. it's really fun. And I think um, Porter Games managed to pull off um, a really fun experience in Pressure Porter. They did. So, the next game I'm going to talk about is a game that does something slightly different with what we call the Euro style, which is civilization building, which has is seen in these games. And that game is Genties, particularly Genties, Genties a deluxified edition, which we've got by Spielworks and Taster Minstrel Games. So we got a deluxe edition, so obviously we've got amazing components, which is one thing to say. Mm. But the actual game itself is a kind of it is that civ builder that's over different eras. So it's kind of like you're you're going and it's ancient, set anciently, so it's really it's, it's, set well, it's, it's like really ancient theming. So it's kind of like you know sticks and stones, and then you're not quite that old, but like you know you you're you're going through that level of things. So it's not like industry, it's not it's, it's industry, but in a different way, kind of thing. And you are developing your civilization over I think it's over three eras or three rounds, and you're kind of you're kind of you know going from round to round and developing and it, again it goes on that curve thing of being limited stuff in the first round by the final round you're being able to pull off a, pull off a lot of things it's got that competition of limited spaces and slots on the board for things so 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 it's kind of a first come first serve in terms of the in terms of the um in terms of the in terms of, the, in terms of this, the the, uh, the selection of stuff and you're claiming the various things so it's kind of it's that got that level of competition where you're not battling the other person's civilization you're just competing for airspace as it were which i think is really really quite cool um that's quite common in a year yeah very common you're not battling yes. but you are you have to be aware of the space the other players are taking up 
Yes, exactly. Exactly, and and also what it, what it does as well. Thing with varying kind of turn length, sorry, varying round lengths for each player. So it's very good because it uses these it uses these sand timers that you can bring into play, where basically like you can do extra stuff, but then it like blocks you from 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 doing having as many turns in in the next round or the round after. So it's kind of like you're you're rushing to get for it's kind of like a debt system to a degree where you're debting is your time that you're they're investing in these things and then it, you've got to then work out whether it's worth doing that now to have less turns later. so you can have really varying sort of sort of sort of turn and round lengths which i think is also really cool um but generally though the 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 the, the design and the cleanness of it and the development and the kind of going through the eras it's just really again you sit there and think oh w- with these kinds of games you sit there and think oh this is all just really clean i really like how this links to this and this links to this mm. and it's not like you're reading a million things they're definitely complicated but you're not reading like a million things with heavy text often it's just symbols and symbology yeah. and you're like oh if i get one of them that will give me two of them which then means i can get one of them over there eventually on the next turn it's that kind of thing and i think that's what something that i really enjoy about these games I think with uh, Genties in particular, and I know that we have the deluxe version, but I do think it's worth mentioning, is that often Euro games aren't associated with really beautiful design. They're practical and they're sometimes quite dry, uh, but Genties has a really lovely production quality and value. So uh, the miniature, the meeples that you have in there have these beautiful printing, the map is still uh, very engaging, and so it feels like a really lovely meeting of aesthetic uh, worlds where you have engaging uh, game style plus the year, the more traditional year of the map and the the dials and the sliders on the board. So it's a really engaging combination of those two things. Yeah, it has that kind of feeling of like again, like you're you're upgrading your civilization, which feels like you feel invested in it. You feel like I'm working hard and I'm and I'm, and I'm putting in the hours and putting in the work to to, to do to do this. Like, like the work I'm paying off is paying off in the later rounds for your civilization because of the quality of the components. No, the game in general. You weren't responding to what I was saying. I was having a point to what you were saying. I wasn't responding. Your point was very good. It was a very good point. Have my own conversation. So after talking about a Euro with uh, aesthetically pleasing design, let's talk about one with a less aesthetically pleasing design. Um, And that is Agricola or Agricola, depending on your persuasion of pronunciation. Um, And this is by Lookout Games and designed by Yui Rosenberg. And Agricola is... A slightly older Euro game, so the I think the first edition came out in 2007, uh, but Jack and I have the advanced and revised edition, which is a 2016 edition. And in Agricola, you are farmers who are cultivating your lands, you're sowing fields, you're raising livestock, livestock, you're raising livestock, and you're growing your family. And so the game plays over several rounds, and it's quite a repetitive, gentle game in that you are pretty much doing the same actions over the whole game but trying to maximise your efficiency um, of what you're doing. So you're trying to grow the most crops or cultivate the most sheep to get the most points at the end. But the reason why I think this is a great game for maybe newer gamers um, is that firstly, it's kind of like like I said, you're, you're kind of doing the same actions each time and you're building on that. So in a way, the game is kind of holding your hand throughout the gameplay mm-hmm. and the game decisions you have to make are not complicated. It's another game that plays from 30 to 150 minutes. So I think the 30 minute uh, play time is like... It's a lie. <laughs> well, I think it's probably for the solo game. Or Um, it's a lie. Or it's a lie. But it also can be this big, chunky game. But it's not intimidating because you have these very familiar actions. And because the theme is farming, it's quite gentle. I find the whole play quite meditative as a... Um, as a game so it's a really nice one for a bit of chilled out Euro gaming yeah and I think this is this is this is I think for me like, I, I I was surprised at how much I enjoyed this one actually this is one of those ones where I was really surprised at it the theme and the meditativeness and the, how just how chill it was but also how it was like a again really satisfying how everything links together and this one for me I feel is a really great example of and i think if you're listening to this far now and you're interested in these games and you're kind of wondering whether you might or might not like them the kind of player that i am resonates with these kinds of games and and this game as well is that you are if you like the idea of planning and doing something in turn one or turn two like deep planning and thinking right i'm going to buy this these resources because i know if i can convert them to this and later three four turns later i can build this engine that does me this it does me this does this and gets me this at the end if you like that idea you'll love it you'll love these games these games are these games are literally full of those ideas those those long-term planning of like investment long-term planning that idea 
But that's not my playstyle. No, but it's not my playstyle. That if, that, if that's not your playstyle, Euro games still can definitely have um, appeal to you. Like, personally, I like Euro games because you can trace the actions that you've done in the Euro game quite easily. You can see how a decision you made earlier in the game has uh, impacted and allowed you to do more cool things later on. So, as a retrospective player, I like to see where you know where things have happened and assessing at the end rather than Jack who likes to plan at the beginning and have a spreadsheet and a diary. <laughs> yes, exactly. A spreadsheet and a diary is my is my is my favourite way of doing it. Tell me what's next. So the next one on the list isn't probably one you would call meditative for you, personally. Oh gosh. It is Pipeline by Capstone Games. Ah, oh, my old nemesis. Yeah, the old nemesis. So this isn't a game that you're a massive fan of, but I really enjoy this game. No. So Pipeline is a Euro-style game where you're basically building a oil conglomerate, an oil organisation, an oil corporation, and you are you've got the classic things in there of building business, improving improving kind of like you've got upgrades, you've got resources you're collecting, you're selling your resources, all those kinds of things. But then you've also got the addition of like a tableau building, network building kind of like Tetris thing of build, putting your pipes together to create these long chains of colour pipes which will then help you run your oil through you know and improve them. As? What? A bridge too far. A bridge too far for you. Yeah, that was where you were like, no, I clocked out, I've clocked out now. Um, and that, I think, for me, that's what that's what lifts it and makes you really interested about it because you've got all these different things to think of. But this is a absolute classic example of a game where it's it's like it's 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 stunning how short it is i think it's only four turns four four rounds yeah. and you get to end around four and think i've achieved so little <laughs> my life is amazing like it's one of those ones where it's like you are just like you you and that might be because we only played it a few times but by the time you get to round four you think right well, i'm ready to go now i'm ready for another six rounds of i know what i'm doing and it's like the game's over you should you should, should, should have done some more things really over, yeah you should have done some more things really um yeah so that that, that is tough that is tough yeah. for those things I, I know that you like this but i'm just going to do a tad a smidgen of smack talk smidgen of smack talk a smidgen of smack talk um i find pipeline crunchy personally i think that the theme doesn't help me it's, no so pipeline you're running a ref, an oil refinery yes that is not really glamour to purchase refinery but you could oil. be like it's a nature refinery and they're and, there's, yeah, and, they're, and they're harvesting harvesting magic oh. to, to get to help power the magical creatures I would like to help the magical creatures. Yes, yes. But I think that's an interesting <laughs> thing with Euro games is that you can often pick up and lift and shift the themes. Yes, um, definitely, yes. But I still I still think that the, the tableau building, the Tetris building is a bridge too far. Like, having to do quite a complex game, make complex game decisions, that you need to be on it from round one. Yeah, if you're not And on then it. also work out how to make pipes fit together. It's like, no, yeah. no pipeline, you've asked too much. If you're not on it, then you're in trouble. You are really in trouble. Like, you can't suddenly make a comeback in this game. It's like, it's over for you. It's, 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 uh, yeah, which, which I, I personally really like, but I can understand why people are, you know, why people wouldn't like that and why it can be off-putting. This is the kind of game where you, I wouldn't start with this if you're going to dabble into Euro games, even if you really like the sounds of it. Um, because it's like... Well, if you really like the sounds of it, do what you want. We're not your parents. Of, of, of course, to be fair. Yeah, we aren't your parents. Or are we? <laughs> Hello, son or daughter. <laughs> um... So, so yeah, so yeah, so I, I I kind of feel like yeah, this is this is quite this is quite tough. Also, this is quite punishing. Like I say you you get travel for you're like oh I've, I've I've lost everything I've lost everything I've ever loved. Um, yeah, and unlike some Euro games that can handhold, like Agricola for example, this one doesn't handhold. No. This was like work out how to run your own it's on, it's on refinery. You play anti handholds. Like if you yeah. offer the hand, it chops off the hand to yeah. be held. It's like, like no. hey no. So yeah, so I I can, I can understand that, but I think I think I like the, I like the clean design of it. I like the clean art of it. I just think it's all it all translates really well to a kind of a businessy economic style thing of iterative improvements and those kinds of things this is the whole problem yeah is that this whole sentence i hate it yeah yeah, i want to leave the room yes a businessy economic game with iterative improvements no (laughs) get out (laughs) but jack likes it so you might too (laughs) there you go there you go right next one uh let me tell you about something a bit more creative and i'm going to talk next about bitter culture by stone my games now bitter culture is a game about creating your own wine and can you see the games that i'm talking about kind of have like it's a euro yes but we're making stuff we're making, like we're being making farms you're making wine you're... yeah we're making clothes yeah yeah we're quite creative over in this corner so bitter culture is a game for one to six players and plays for 45 to 90 minutes i am calling lies on that lies absolute lies because we play a two player game and I think we're at the 90 minute area yeah we definitely are yes Um, it is one of those games that it feels like there is a 
there are lots of decisions to make in British culture and there are lots of interesting decisions to make. Uh, you have uh, workers that you're placing in various points of your vineyard and you're either um, cultivating the vineyard, you're growing grapes, you're harvesting grapes, you're making, ageing, bottling and selling wine. So there's a lot of process happening in this game and, and a lot of things to keep you occupied and things to be thinking about. So the outcome of this game at the end, I feel like someone has wrung my brain like it was a sponge, but it's an incredibly satisfying game to play nonetheless. The thing that I love about viticulture that I would like to see in loads of and loads and loads of games is the fact that in their worker placements they have what is called the super worker, which is a slightly larger meeple. Isn't the Poss grand grand meeple grand worker? The grand meeple. I think he's called the grand maple, isn't he? Let's have a look. Well, he's called the papa. I think he's actually called the papa. Yeah. There was no need to gender it. I think so it is. I think it is gendered. I think I think it's the mama and the papa is the expansion. That it's then the papa. He's the papa as the grand worker. I don't think no. That's the cards. Yeah, but, so that, but that's what you get, including mamas and papas. Yeah. fields previously known as property. No, but they the papa is the, the ground worker. The that's what the papa is. He's the ground worker. The I don't know. Let's just call it the ground worker, the gender neutral ground worker. It's what I was loving on before. Let me return to that. It's basically a larger meeple and it has. Um, <laughs> that's why it's great. Uh, it has more flexibility than the other worker meeples that you have. So the ground worker or the super worker can visit. A location that's already taken up by another player, for example, or you get, or will get you something slightly better when it visits a location. So that's an aspect of better culture that I really love because you're thinking about, okay, I've got these regular workers, but then I've also got my like super number when one. When you use them, yeah, yeah, I've got my got my super worker. So what can I do with him? Like, where should I think about? Oh, look at me gendering it now, for Christ's sake! What can I do with them? Where can I place them for the most effect? Um, and so it's a really fun game uh, in that regard. I think the viticulture visual experience is pretty nice yeah i don't think i'm writing home about it but i'm also not offended yeah i think i think it's pretty nice but i, I, I don't think i'm offended i think it, it, it for me it feels like one of those games where the theme does feel stronger here in yeah. that whilst you couldn't just There's easily too much process yeah you couldn't just easily lift and shift it. you'd have to change some of the process we could change the cheese you could change you could probably get into another kind of bougie product like cheese or beer well, no, or the, like, the thing, or is like that the thing is that with viticulture it's the cultivation the farming the then the, the making and yeah. the aging yeah. and the yes. selling. Yes, I think that's the key thing: is the making and the aging, and then the selling at the right point so it doesn't overage but or I doesn't go off. I suppose yeah. you could, with whatever you were deciding to make, you could make because it's the aging is the problem. Is that you would then just have whatever the equivalent process would be. So, for example, I don't know. Let's think of something non-edible. I think it works well with edible stuff. Like if you were precious gem mining for example yes. you, there might be a polishing stage I don't know what they do with precious gems <laughs> but you could like they bring could, the polisher in there's like there's a couple of extra processes yeah. here yes. where you have to it, it suits but the theme wine. does feel the theme does feel well thought through and well and strong it does feel like it does it feels like you are doing what you yeah. are actually and I've doing in the before, game I'm pretty sure I've read before Jamie Segmar talking about this game and he wanted to make a game for wine lovers yeah, and yeah. it does feel like if you love wine this feels like a fairly symptomatic representation yes. of what you that might feel like yes. to run a winery in a ball game yes 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 <laughs> yes to you no, really, I like this culture really great really great it's a, it's longer than 45 minutes well it's 45 to 90 minutes yeah, yeah it's not that's, that's, and that's, it plays that with one six players that is fibs it's absolute fibs yeah. so just clear your afternoon and then yeah. you're fine maybe we're just slow at games I think that's the truth of it is we're just slow we take our time we meander, which yes. I think is appropriate for a vineyard. Yes. Also, also, I, I, I am quite. I, I always feel that you, you, you are, you are like a turn thinker. You take, you think on turns. It's just quite, it's just quite funny. What, you, what you, is this accusation? You, I feel like there's some accusation coming. No, because I often feel room. when we play a game together, what happens is you get really excited by what you're about to do. Oh, I need a notepad. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're thinking about it, and then you'll forget it, and you'll be like, no, and then you literally the look on your face, and you'll be sitting there, and you'll rethink it, and then you'll get it, and then like I might josh you and be like. Come Come on, take, and you'll be like, I'll kill you. And I'll be like, well, that's a bit much. Um, but then what's really funny is that, like, if once you've done the first part of it, it will then be my turn, and you'll literally be staring at me like, come on, take your turn, take your turn, take your turn. I actually hate, and also, I'm not, I don't play a lot of solo games. Uh, maybe I should play more because I just don't, I like knowing what I'm doing and then having to wait for you to do your whatever yeah. pittance you're doing with your Chardonnay or Merlot. I'm just like, Come on, yeah. we've got a good reaction. If, if I try that with you, I, you, I'll get the, I'll get the business. But if you, if literally, as soon as you finish your turn, you're like, come on, take your time, take your time, take your time. Just put that there. Cool in the business, double standards. <laughs> double standards, grand standards. <laughs> <laughs>
Yes, grandstanders. Yes, yeah, but that is that's that. What well, the truth of that though is that it brings us on to our next game, which it doesn't in any which way bring us on to our next game, which is Underwater Cities by Delicious Games. There we go. It doesn't bring us on to that at all. Underwater Cities is a game in which can you guess what you're doing in Underwater Cities? Hmm. Making cheese? Yes. <laughs> you're building underwater cities. Do you want to know what I'm looking at the BGG page as just as you're introducing this yeah. game? Is This is our longest max playtime so far. So this plays from 80 to 150 minutes. That is a long time, this yeah. This is a big game. It is a big game. And it's got a lot of cards. It's got a lot of cards with a lot of different things to do in them. So in underwater cities, you're basically like you're obtaining and collecting certain types of cards, which will give you certain types of resources or slash certain types of powers, where basically you're trying to generate resources to be able to build your underwater cities and then build your network between your cities and then produce things at your city at your underwater cities that will again give you more that will ultimately give you more um resources and to build more things and in that kind of iterative cycle and then at the same time you're also being mindful of scoring cards that you can claim which will allow you to score like bonuses based on certain factors and obviously what your what, what, what your opponent's doing and the availability of some of these cards and which ones they might take I was going to say Underwater Cities to me feels very much like a next generation Euro game yes like if you've got a good grounding in Euro games and you feel like you know your way around that kind of genre and you haven't played Underwater Cities this could be a next play for you I think it's a, a really interesting kind of reimagination or evolution of the Euro game style yeah what Underwater Cities does really well it's like it, it because it's got I think it's got over 200 cards in it because it's got all these cards there's different ways the cards can combine so it kind of it adds that variability in, in the form of the cards so you are you know you might acquire certain types of cards do certain types of things but it's it's not necessarily like it's it Sometimes with a, with a Euro game, like take something like Catan, for example, as we discussed earlier, it's limited in that what's in it's in it. And you'll probably see, you, you can't really see many, there's not infinite combinations, it feels like. Whereas something like Underwater Cities, where you're collecting in these different kinds of cards in these different kind of ways, the combinations feel so much bigger. And I think you're right, it's that next step and next evolution in them. And yeah, it's, it's, de- it's definitely on the on, on the longer side. And it is one of those ones where, you know, it does benefit to to, to, to know it a bit more because it's, cause it's, not, it's not the simplest of games. Yeah. And it is one of those ones where you know the more experienced player will, will, will know it but it, but again it goes back to competing over resources and trying to ensure that you are being the most efficient and you know there's there's a lot of that kind of like when you're placing your when you're reserving things around the side of the board when you're reserving the the, the, the cards you want to take or the, the various things you want to claim it's that thing of it being like your the, the interaction between players is i wanted that thing and you've taken it and that's kind of that's i yeah. think the really really I think great interaction because it's like it's not personal and it's not like you doing this thing has cost me or you've destroyed my armies and my and my buildings and therefore I'm now back to square one. It's like, okay, I'm yeah. going to have to try and do something else. In a way, I think this is a kind of interesting collision of civ building and Euro gaming. So we have, you're developing your city through politics, production and science, which is very civ building like. Yeah. And so it's kind of a combination of the two kind of approaches. Yeah, so so yeah, Underwater Cities is a really, 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 really good game, and like you say, really, really, really solid. I think it's it's very highly re- regarded as well. So if you if you are interested, I suggest looking into it a bit more. Okay, so the next one on the list is Paladins of the West Kingdom by Garfield Games. Uh, so this is another chunky game. So coming at ninety to one hundred twenty minutes for one to four players, um, and this is part of the West Kingdom series, which you might be familiar with because there's a few of them now. Uh, but in Paladins of the West Kingdoms, you have invaders coming from everywhere, yes. and you're trying to keep the faith and defend your homeland. So there's a quite an interesting kind of upkeep kind of theme in this game where you're trying to defend your area we've played also architects architects yes where you're um, building a big a big old big old church yeah so that has a slightly different vibe so um you might want to look into because i think they probably all fall into the euro game oh they would all fall into the euro game family yes they're all kind of variation on work placement yeah but paladins i think has a bit more of a threat yes. element to it where architects mm. that we played those two has more of a you know it's nice we're building our things yeah. things are happy um so in Paladins, you have a really interesting uh, worker placement mechanism where you have different coloured workers who are able to do different coloured things, which makes it quite a unique, well, not a unique Euro, this happens in other games, but quite an interesting Euro when you have this combination with other types of gameplay. Paladins has got one of my, not one of my, one of the things I really made me look up and think this is really cool. Yeah. At the start of Paladins, you, instead of having a pool of workers that you just build up over time or that are generic, 
you you draft a, you you get you draft a card at the start that gives you your coloured workers that you can use, and then each different kind of colour worker can do different kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So then you've got to decide how you're going to use those coloured workers in your area to do various things. Yeah. And there's onboard things that you can claim, like performing certain actions will give you an onboard thing that you can claim. For example, like fighting back the barbarians or or, or, or doing certain things, you can claim it. And they're first come first serve. But the drafting of the workers is really great because it's like every time it's like oh no this uh, uh, you need you need the thing i need certain colors and mm. you might need some certain colors therefore it's like what we're going what we're going to choose what we're going to do yeah yes it is cool so it's that, that combination of drafting with worker placement that is that feels pretty fresh doesn't it yes yes uh, so if you've like if you've liked the look of any of the other west kingdom games and this is definitely one to check out and i think it is that threat element that i like yeah it, it feels a bit it feels a bit different it feels a bit like you know it feels a bit like because yeah, I'm pretty sure you are all contributing to to, to defending the the kind of or, or, or doing things to the to, to the um to the to, to the realm. So it's not just like a you know it's not a, it's not cooperative or anything like that. But there is an element of like you know you are all contributing to, 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 to this to this cooperation. And I just think that yes, you you are kind of all progressing down that 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 route together. And so it's, so therefore it's 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 in your interest to ensure that you are you know you are paying attention to what to what's going on and claiming those bonuses that are in the, that are in the central board. But yeah, I, th- I just I think it's a it's a really brisk and breezy work placement in mm. the, in the, things go quite quickly and move quite quickly. Um, and again, one that's like there's lots of different options to choose from, and there's lots of different ways that you can you can progress down tracks and all the rest of it. So it's kind of like there's lots of things going on. It's not just one route to yeah. victory. Yeah, yeah, it's a layered game. Yes. So the final one on my list, then the, the final one on my list is the, the the probably the most significant one in this area. Although it says only sixty to one twenty minutes, but I I do not believe this. That is Brass Birmingham by Roxley. So Brass Birmingham is a game about the industrial revolution in the West Midlands, which is great because you know big up big up the West Midlands, and it is a very it's actually again. It it looks complicated. It's it's a heavy weight in terms of in terms of being good at it, but it isn't megaly complex in megaly. my opinion. Megaly, yes, isn't megaly complex. Effectively, you are building certain types of buildings, producing resources from those buildings to, to try and build other types of buildings, and then producing goods from the, the, the certain buildings to try and score points slash generate money. Uh, those are the kinds of key things you're trying to do, uh, and you're also connect creating networks. Uh, first in the first half of the game through the waterways and second half of the game through trains but it is that level of like again this is another one where planning and foresight is 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 important like it's really important because if you plan well in the first phase you'll do really well in the second phase and you are kind of balancing building up your money um generation with building up your kind of points and your total victory point score you want to make sure those two things are balanced because if, if, you, if you've got really high victory if you, if you do if you're doing well on victory points but you're not doing well on money you you'll run you eventually run out of steam and you're not going to do anything but if you're doing really well on money and not well on victory points then again it's that, that kind of it's that but it's that interesting balancing act and it's got that thing where there's limited selection of places on the board. Certain types of industry can only be put in certain locations, and therefore you've got to be competing with your opponent on what you get. It also uses a kind of card system where you get coloured cards or different types of cards represent locations or industry, and that allows you to build where where you need to build, which I think is really interesting because it's kind of, it's that kind of thing of it being like you you, you have ha- another restriction. Yeah, you have a. Rest- it's not just like open season. You can build where you want and do what you want. You've got this restriction, and with that restriction, I think comes a bit of like, oh, I wanted to do this. This isn't ideal, so I'm going to try and do this over here. And that kind of that kind of element of things, I think, really keeps the game engaging throughout the whole yeah. game. I was fully engaged. I was really engaged throughout the whole game. I think having played this a couple of times now, the thing that I was most impressed by, or the thing that has stuck with me, is I don't think I've played a game like this where the phases are so distinct. Yes. So Brass Birmingham has two clear phases, the canal phase and then the railway phase. And at the end of the canal phase, certain things are taken off the board and you have to uh, kind of rebuild your network. So that's where Jack's saying you have to prepare for that before the things are taken off the board. And I don't think we've experienced a game that has those two elements so clearly because the game isn't long. They're just those two phases, but they're so um, robust and well-contained in themselves. Uh, yeah, I, I I think that's a really interesting one. I was trying to think of another game we've got that's like that two phase where it's where, it's, where, it's, where it's not phases, just like different yeah. rounds. Or it's like literally like this is phase one, this is phase two, and that whole thing at the end of phase one where everything comes off the board apart from certain things. You're like, oh, 
Yeah, yeah. If, if anyone has a recommendation for another game that has a similar vibe, um, yeah. type of vibe, then we'd love to know. Yes. And you can tell us um, on uh, via email, birdofgames at gmail.com. Yes. Thank you for that. Interestingly, most of these games have been a maximum of four players as we've been going through them. This again is two to four players, which is interesting that Euro games, at least the ones we've selected to talk about, tend to skew for a slightly... Um, lower player count, Lower yes. player count. Interesting. So the last one on the list is Merv by Osprey Games. And in Merv, you are uh, vying for power, favour and influence in the mighty ancient city of Merv. So Merv is a riot of colours and symbols across the board. And you are trying to do a number of things. Um, So the first play that we did of Merv, Jack and I got to the end of it and it was that classic Euro game where Euro experience where we felt actually we could have done loads more in this game. So it's a tense economic game that charts the rise and fall of, of Merv and you're trying to um, firstly build up your own influence, um, trade, but you're also trying to defend Merv from uh, Mongol hordes as they approach. And so you're constructing walls around the city, which is the main heart of the game board, which is a really interesting uh, design choice because you are uh, integrating your gameplay and your decisions in a 3D way onto the board, which is quite cool. We don't see a lot of that. Yes. Um, and as uh, the Mongol whores come every round, those walls are destroyed. So that's an, an, another interesting um, element where we have this building up of uh, resource and then the taking down of it. So um, that's quite cool. The balancing of having to do that, so the protection plus the cultivation and the growth is another interesting element of this in a, in particularly in reference to euro games because you're not just trying to um create the best trade or you're not just trying to get the most renown or prestige you're also trying to protect the city so there's kind of that threat element that we we're talking about in yes. terms of palestines but also still then the the building of your city yeah i i do really like the whole thing of you can Again, you you are when you move your worker, you 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 are building these like these these I can't remember what they're called the the kind of the the, the tent things that are that are doing the um that generate the action, but then you can also like steal someone else's, and it's kind of like you can go and you can go and use someone else's thing, and that will give that person some stuff, and it's kind of like that kind of thing of it being like oh I really need that type of resource or that oh I want to do that type of action, but you are in that area so if i do that then you're going to get that you're going to get those things instead and i think that's quite an interesting di- dynamic in, yeah. in, in the game i would say that i wouldn't recommend merv to complete beginners to the euro game um genre because it's quite a rich game and it's detail incredibly detailed and i think that you could easily miss some bits in this game like i think on our first play we missed some pieces yes but if this sounds appealing to you or if you feel versed in euro games and you're ready to give it a go then do have a go and and play this a few times and, and see what you can get out of it indeed so those were our top 10 euro games that we think you should try i think definitely check them out um should we talk about what's been on the cards and it's going to be on the cards yeah what's been on the cards what's going to be on the cards the cards are full the cards are stacked we've been doing okay we've been playing, playing, playing about a game a week which is which yeah. sometimes two which is which is pretty good for us we had a very patchy year we had in a very patchy back end of 2020 yes yeah. so um, i mean we, we covered over christmas and we played quite well this year yeah so recently we've played uh, the base game of everdale so we returned to yes. everdale to have a go at the base game which was really nice. We have um, the Belfair, Pearlbrook and Spirecrest expansions, which when we have played with all of those at once, we both said to each other, we'll only ever play with the expansions because it's such a good experience. And, quite, yeah, um, yeah. and it gets to quite a long experience at that point because you're making so many decisions. But we wanted a quick game and Everdell really fitted the bill for that, didn't it, in terms of... And it's interesting to go back to a base game and see if it still holds its own, with it, holds its own without the expansions. And it did. It does. It, it was, did. It was fun. It was, also, it was not, we, we wanted that game that we could play in an hour under and that would yeah. really fit that bill of that. Yeah. We also played Quacks again. We did play Quacks again. And you won. And I won, yeah. You won. You didn't I was conservative this time. I was conservative. You were conservative, yeah. Which but is good. It's, it's a, Quacks is such a good game for, um, I think, all player, player um, abilities and levels because it has such a great rubber banding system yes. where it's really close, just, you know, no matter what anyone yeah. does in, in the game. So it's it's nice. It feels like a really good family game. It does, game. yeah. What are we going to play this weekend? What are what we going to gonna play by the time this comes out? Mm. We've got a massive list. We've got a massive list of things. We've got a massive list, and also we just bought some more games. We just bought so. some more games. We're like, we're not going to buy any more games, and then we did. 
When did we say we weren't going to buy more games? Oh, we always say we're not going to buy more games. In that voice, we say to each other, but you turn to me and go, we're not going to buy any more games. I'm like, we're I, not going to buy any more games. And I then we do. Feel, I kind of feel like we should play our unplayed games, but there's a couple of unplayed games hanging over us. Concordia being one. Yes, being another Euro game, which, which apparently is very, very good. Yeah. Maybe, but, we, maybe we play an unplayed game this weekend. Oh, I just don't want to. I just don't want to learn any rules. There's that, yes. That, you always um, fall asleep after I teach you the rules. No, not anymore. We have a different system now. Yeah, someone else teaches you and you don't fall asleep. So yeah. how's, actually, how's, how does your reflection how that makes me feel? I think yeah, I think it says something about you really. Than the yes, rules. it does. So we might do Concordia. Mm-hmm. We might do... What else might we do? I don't know. Depends if you fancy a long or a short game. We've got a couple, didn't we? We've got Tiny Towns. Bit we up. did get Tiny Towns. Jack has convinced me into getting Tiny Towns. I'm not convinced. Obviously, the next episode is going to be like, I love Tiny Towns. <laughs> um... Yeah, so we've bought Tiny Towns. If you like Tiny Towns... What was the game with the game we bought? I don't know. Uh, we bought Harvest Island. Harvest Island as well, yeah. Which is about um, an island with animals on where you harvest food. So I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> because it was made for me. It was made for you, um, wasn't it? So we might play any number of those games. Yes. Um, we're not sure yet. But can I reiterate, before we sign off today, do come and sign up to the Bird of Games newsletter. You can do that via our website. You've got a lot of work in this and people we, need to see how much I work I need to tell people via the website. I don't yes. think I told them where to sign up at the top oh. of the episode. So they'll be like, okay, but where? So go to the website, birdwellgames.co.uk and you can sign up to our newsletter there which will be going out in March. Um, it's going to have behind the scenes stuff, uh, some sneak peeks at our projects that are going on and some more fun bits. I'm going to include pictures of the dog, as I said. So it's yeah. worth signing up just for that, I think. Yeah, agreed. Anything else to add? Nothing else to add from me. That's all for today then. So some would say we've come to our end. Some would say that, but others might say... I don't know what you're talking about. Why do you keep whispering it? Because it's because oh, sometimes I shout a bit loud and it scares me. I'm a dog. Well, we're just going to dither away and end this episode now because <sighs> oh god, he's getting sound effects. Right, I'm off then. Until next time, we'll see you on the flip side. Happy gaming. Bye bye.